0: Support for To The Point comes from Bausch &
1: Beautiful and healthy looking eyes, it shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle.
2: Ocular Surface Disease. It's complex, chronic, and progressive, but rife with opportunity for the enterprising optometrist.
3: The mission of this podcast is to make this condition more understandable and accessible to those interested in specializing in it. So let's get to the point. Welcome to another episode of the To The Point Podcast. My name is Jackie Garlick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Leslie O'Dell, and we are so excited to have a colleague and someone we have both been lucky enough to work with previously on our podcast today. Please welcome Dr. Bill Tratler. He is a refractive corneal and cataract surgeon at the Center for Excellence in Eye Care in Miami, Florida. Dr. Trattler is involved in treating a variety of corneal diseases such as keratoconus and post-LASIK ectasia with corneal collagen cross-linking and other procedures. In fact, his involvement in the FDA approval study for crosslinking led to its approval in 2016. He's lectured extensively on optimizing visual results with both cataract and laser vision correction, therapeutic options for patients with dry eye and blepharitis, femtosecond laser cataract surgery, corneal collagen crosslinking for keratoconus, and postlasic ectasia. Dr. Tratler has received many accolades, including most recently being named by the publication, The Ophthalmologist, as one of the top 100 most influential people in the world of ophthalmology. He made time for us today to join us on the podcast, and we are so thrilled to talk to him. Thanks so much for joining us, Bill. We're so happy to have you.
0: I'm so happy to be here as well. Thank you for having me.
3: Well, I think
2: today we're really going to dig in and and learn a lot from you about optimizing the ocular surface for surgery. And just real quick background um, for me and and my journey in dry eye kind of started with working with a surgeon, Um, but it was different times. We only had one therapeutic to even try to treat dry eye for our patients. Um, You know, this goes back maybe 18 years ago now. And it was really hard to take care of the post op patient because they were that 2020 unhappy patient, felt like they had sandy, gritty eyes. Um, and actually, at the time, it was frustrating for many reasons one, that we only had one therapeutic, <laughs> two, um, because I thought, you know, why are we pushing all these dry eye patients through surgery? But we didn't really know not to. Um, and then also, I thought, well, really the problem, you know, or some of the optimization could have been happening before they ever entered into our practice. So it's been really exciting to see research like yours. Um, Some of the research I've seen you put out about just consecutive patients and what type of dry eye you've been seeing, how many of your patients were diagnosed versus not diagnosed and realizing that optometry is a big part of this ocular surface optimization for our surgeons um, like you, so I'm really excited to hear what you have to tell us.
3: One thing, Bill, and you and I have talked about this before, is and you've done research on this: is how many of our you know cataract surgical patients are complaining about dry eye pre-op, and I know you maybe can you talk a little bit about that and what you found in just your research around that topic.
0: Right. Well, I think that you know I always think what's interesting is whenever we think about symptoms of dry eye. If I ask you about symptoms of dry eye, the first thing you think about is someone being uncomfortable. Pain, irritation, foreign body sensation, but patients that have cataracts are older, typically older, and they often have a different issue. They have blurry vision and they start to get fluctuation vision uh, and they feel it's from a cataract when it actually is from dry eye and there's a confusion because they're not seeing well, they're frustrated with their vision. I think it's because of the cataract, but in reality, what they're what they're feeling is actually due to dry eye and it often makes the doctor who's ever evaluated them miss that underlying fact. They think, oh, it's a cataract. The patient's complaining they're, they're older, they have cataracts, it must be all cataract. They're just missing the fact that they have significant dry that's causing fluctuation in vision.
3: Yeah. Do you, this actually brings up a point. Why, is do you know why that is that you would find someone complaining more about fluctuating vision, whereas sometimes others are complaining about more burning, gritty, sandy feelings? Like, why is that a difference that we're seeing in that population?
0: Well, I mean, one thing is self-selecting. If, if any of us see a patient that complains that, that their eyes are bothering them, we're all going to treat their dry eye. But if patients come in and they're not complaining about, that. oh, my eyes feel great. It's not an issue of my eyes. I just have blurry vision. Everyone's going to say, oh, well, then it's cataracts. And, that, and so it's self-selecting. We're, we're getting this subgroup of patients that, even though they have, more people have dry eyes. It's a subgroup that they have dry eye, but they also have cataracts. They're getting sent in for cataract surgery evaluation and treatment. But again, uh, dry eye is so common in this group.
2: What I think was really surprising you know, to me about some of the research you put out is just the amount of patients presenting to you with central keratitis before surgery, which would exactly contribute to what you're talking about with the blurred vision, but not really knowing that they had dry eyes. So, um, you know, how did you have that conversation when you were doing some of that research in your own practice with patients? And, you know, I'm sure that started how you we optimizing the surface for when they were ready for surgery.
0: Right. Well, I think just like you, when you know, well, before we did this research, we thought maybe 10 to 15 percent of patients coming in for cataract surgery had dry eye, and we found out it's closer to 85 percent of our patients have some degree of um, dry eye that could impact their readings, and, and again, it could even be worse after cataract surgery. And I think that the central patients with central staining, they're often asymptomatic because um, they've had dry eye for decades. And the nerves just aren't functioning the same way. They're just not as sensitive. It's just a desensitization. I don't think they're neurotrophic. They're just not as sensitive to this the, the topical the surface staining. Have you guys seen the same thing?
2: It's interesting now because you know with new medications that are targeting NK, I think we're all thinking about corneal sensitivity in our dry eye workup. And it's amazing to me. And, and maybe there is a continuum, like you're saying, you could have decreased sensitivity before it turns into something like neurotrophic disease. But, you know, even even today in clinic, I'm like poking a lady in the eye with the cotton wisp. And then I do her other eye. And then I said, you know, how did that feel? And she's like, how did what feel?
0: <laughs> <And> it's <like laughs> just
2: amazing. So I think that corneal desensitization, uh, desensitization is a big part of things that we just
3: weren't routinely screening for. Very true. What are some of the things that like the referring OD should be doing to better optimize the surface? And is there specific tests that you want You know, you, we want to make good referrals as ODs. And so we certainly want to tackle these problems for one, better outcomes surgically for our patients, but also so that our patients think that we know what we're doing. If we refer a patient over and say, you have cataracts and the cataract surgeon says, okay, well, we also have dry eye. We really need to clean that up first. We we certainly don't want that to be what our patient remembers that we missed. So what are your, what are some of your recommendations on what referring ODs should be doing before they're making that referral?
0: Well, I mean, I think the most easy test is just using fluorescein. And we use fluorescein in a couple of different ways. One, we're going to place fluorescein in the eye and look at Cornell staining. And this is my favorite kind of, I guess, trivia. So, and I'm sorry to put you guys both in the spot. And it's only because I, and you guys probably both know the answer, but maybe the audience doesn't know this answer. After you put fluorescein in the eye, how many seconds do you wait before you get to the maximal? grating, uh, the worse it's going to look on the cornea. Like the staining will look worse. In other words, if you put fluorescein, do you look 10 seconds later, 20 seconds later, 30 seconds later? Oh, um, I, I was in the some answer. Clinical...
2: I'm just kidding. I, I do know close. an answer, but I didn't always know the answer. And I think it's like 90 seconds.
0: Well, 90 seconds is certainly closer to some of the numbers I've seen. Um, actually, when I was in some clinical trials for dry eye, it was three, you had to wait three minutes before it could stain. And I saw some more recent studies that even suggest four or five minutes. Yeah, I see. I
2: have seen seen five minutes, especially for Sjogren's patients.
3: I actually was reading a roundtable. I think you were on this, Bill. Like I was reading a roundtable print discussion. And it was like, um, it was a bunch of like uh, ocular surface ophthalmologists. And they were like, no one but the cornea specialist has three minutes to wait to look. (laughs) But that's who's going to wait for it. It's because that's when you actually get, I forget what it was, but it was three minutes or something. It was long. And and I think you were actually on there saying, I actually just do my charting. I just turn around and I do my charting while I wait for this. So I read this actually not that long ago. Or <laughs> well, it's a great, it's a great place just to interject some of those
2: questions that your text may not have called out, um, you know, about their main symptom, time of day, things like that, fluctuating vision. So I think you can do it. And I think everybody is in the room uh, longer than three minutes, I hope, with their patients. But sometimes I will look initially, sit back, do some things, and then look look again. But so I was wrong. Now you have to ask another question so we can put Jackie on the spot.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. Exactly. But I do exactly what you just described, Leslie. I, I look first, and then I do some stuff, and I look again and go, oh my gosh, that's a lot more. Like it becomes more obvious. Um, and the other a patient the other day was like, I mean, the whole cornea was like just totally green by the time we got to three to four minutes when it wasn't so obvious early on as in so you're absolutely right
3: i think there's um, also a lot of value in not using fluoresce and actually just using the fluorescein strip and not the big like donkey fluoresce i feel like that's also valuable. The...
0: absolutely and then the second thing i i you can look at though as if you put the fluorescein in, is you can do tear breakup time real quickly like look look at the scene and then just do a quick break breakup time so the softball jackie is what is your cutoff for normal to your breakup time
3: A uh, normal is, is 10 seconds or more
0: right so that's true that's normal but i would say that it's more specific if it's like five or seven seconds you know in other words it's it's true that 10 seconds is a nice cutoff but i think when you get to seven seconds or five seconds you feel even more confident weight something's really abnormal
3: oh and, yeah, uh, yeah Abnormal, yeah. of course yeah, yeah yeah lower than 10 seconds i i consider abnormal honestly eight to 10, I'm sort of like, this is pretty decent. Well,
2: I have a question about this. Um, are you just counting seconds in your heads at the slit lamp? Like one, one thousand, 1,000?
3: Yeah. I, I am. Yeah, That's what I'm I doing. I just want to make sure I'm doing that right. I also have like, I, I do think tear breakup time in general is a pretty subjective um, measure anyway. So I do have non-invasive tear breakup that I'll sometimes use instead, just so I'm not like putting more liquid in to get my tear breakup time. But Bill, what do you think?
0: No, I agree. If you measure three times, three or four times, you're going to get three or four different answers, but it'll all be within a second or two. It might be 2.5 seconds and 4.5 seconds. So I think you get an idea that's either fast, average, or normal. So that's kind of my my goal um, overall.
2: So we can do all of that with one easy thing, which we hear a lot about. Vital dye stains are all we really need to make a good diagnosis for dry eye. Are you utilizing um, questionnaires in your practice when they're coming in for caddy valves, um, especially? Um, I know that ASCRS put out some good guidelines recently with modified speed and using point of care testing, but is that is that kind of the protocol that you're implementing or you do your own kind of thing?
0: Support for To The Point comes from Bausch & Lomb. Beautiful and healthy-looking
2: eyes?
1: It shouldn't be a compromise. Lumify Eye Illuminations, developed by the experts at Bausch & Lomb exclusively for the sensitive eye area. To cleanse, nourish, and brighten. Lumify Eye Illuminations, only in the eye care aisle.
0: Right. I mean, I think that, you know, whatever everybody wants to do is certainly – they can choose. I personally don't like to use this the question. So I just like to ask a couple of questions, kind of like some of the questions you just mentioned earlier. I'll ask a couple of questions, one on how they're feeling. Also, I like to ask fluctuation vision and just start my conversation with them. And I'm still asking about their vision with, you know, you're asking cataract questions as well, but I'll, I'll ask one or two dry questions in there just, just to get a sense of how they're doing overall. And I'm not using any point of care testing. I think certainly we have some very nice tests um, that are available, but, you know, from inflammatory to, you know, you know, and, you know so I, I think that there's good tasks, but i think that you don't need it and it's it's up to you in your practice whether it's it's whether you want to go that route or not
3: Let's say that you have, I'm just curious what you do for these patients that are really antsy. Let's say they do really need cataract surgery, but they also have like a not amazing ocular surface and you want to clean this up really quickly so you can get this patient into cataract surgery. Do you have a path that you always kind of walk down on how you treat this patient? Who's like, I, I, we need cataract surgery immediately, but we need better measurements.
0: Right. Well, I think everybody has their own path, and I'll just share my path, but I you know, I would never argue with someone else's excellent path. So I do find that MGD is also super common in these patients in blepharitis. I often use hypochlorous acid spray, um, and I find that no matter what brand, it seems to work very nicely to help kill the bacteria that make M- make the oil glands secretions thicker and not as effective. And so it also, I also think this, that we know that this, patients develop endophthalmitis most likely from their own bacterial flora that lives in their eyelids and lashes. So if they're using hypochlorous acid spray, they're also reducing the quantity of bacteria on their eyelashes. So it might be helpful in some way for the risk of endophthalmitis. Whether it is or not, I have no idea. There's not, not been a study, but I, I think it, I'm killing two birds with one stone. I'm trying to help with their ocular surface disease and that has an added benefit. And then secondly, um, it probably helps... Bacteria thrive more. I'm a big steroid fan, so there's we have a lot, many different options for topical steroids that all are effective. Whether you're using uh, lodopredinol or prednisolone acetate or dexamethasone, uh, if you use it twice a day for a couple of weeks, you often help smooth out the ocular surface. It's a quick fix, not a fix, but quick, quickly help get the patient's ocular surface a little healthier for for repeat readings. But it's not a long term strategy, but at least it's short term. It can help for getting better readings.
2: You know, great call out on blepharitis because this is something that we're all getting a lot more comfortable with diagnosing. And we're, you know, getting a lot more comfortable with all of the hypochlorous cleansers that are out there. Um, and it's something that I do have that conversation with patients. And, and really what made me think differently about it was my mother-in-law had a surgery. Um, and she had to use a special antibacterial soap before, you know, several days before the surgery so that she also reduced her risk for infection. And I thought, you know, why are you know, why am I not thinking about that the same way? And exactly like you said, endophthalmitis is the biggest, you know, fear if you think about infection after cataract surgery and when I talk to patients about it, they get it. You know, I say this is going to help reduce your risk for, you know, complications after surgery, and it's an easy thing to get started before. Um, we're continuing to kind of increase the amount of micro exfoliation we're doing in the office, but I think it's another great thing to think about is, you know, kind of the deep clean before surgery, also.
0: Absolutely, and I should add that that um besides the two things, the steroids and the hypocorous acid, I will, and many patients uh, initiate a. An FDA-approved topical, um, you know, dry eye therapy, you know, RX therapy. So we have a couple of great options, and so that'll be. It depends on the patient's level of dry eye, and also sometimes their insurance, what's going to be covered and what's not going to be covered. Um, so that's always a little bit of an issue. But um, I, you know, I know they have, they're going to have dry long term, not short term. So we'll often use the, that those technologies as well.
2: So I think one of the other big call-outs, and it sounds like this is how you're doing it, is that instead of doing like let's start this and wait for that result and add and add and add in your cataract patient that you know is in this situation, you know, in dire need of better vision and surgery, you can start more than one thing at one time and really try to increase the um, effect of that by, you know, maybe implementing two or three things at once and seeing them back and seeing where you are with your breakup time and staining and then feel more confident in the referral.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I think that patients are anxious they want to see better and this, and they're actually going to feel better with, with topical steroids and treating their, their 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 lids. They're going to already start to notice some improvement within 1 to 2 weeks and think, "What this is working." they they'll notice the improvement.
3: For your when you t- do you tell patients to close their eyelid and just spray that right on their eyelid for the hypochlor spray or are you a cotton ball person that tells them to spray it on a cotton ball?
0: I'm so happy you asked this cuz I have to educate my patients every time. First of all, it makes no sense to use anything cotton because I think of hypochlorous acid spray is the same as Purell on your hands, right? You're not going to put Purell on a cotton and then wipe your hands. You're going to put it directly on your hands and clean it. So I tell patients to spray it directly on their fingertip and paint it on their eyelashes, just gently paint on your eyelashes. Um, And it's very comfortable. And I show my patients how to do this like 10 times a day. So as you can probably tell, even though this is voice only, my eyelashes are really clean because I do hypochlorous acid every day, like at least five to 10 times a day showing my patients. But it's simple. You spray and just paint it on your eyelashes just like that. It takes one second. It's okay to be a little wet. You blink a little bit. It can get in your eye. It's very safe. Um, and that's why I often have to change patients because they'll read the instructions and it'll, it'll be different. I have to bring them back to the, the way I think is best.
3: Yeah, I think um, I, what was, I initially was educated for what, what this was when um, Avanova was like prescription only that the rep was like, just have them close their eye and they can just spray right on their eye. And I was like, oh, and I, but I feel like the cotton ball thing has come up before. Like put it, do you say this, Leslie? Are you a cotton ball person?
2: We have been you can, saying. You like, can't be
3: now because Bill already told you this right, is ridiculous. I caught us times yes. as yes.
2: being not right when I felt confident in my skin. <laughs> <laughs> So cotton balls, no, because first they like pull apart and get, you know, they don't stay saturated. Um, but actually my, my, uh, one of the ladies that work in my office told me just tell them to put it on their skin because she worked in like uh dermatology before. And it was something they were using for the skin. It makes sense. I like the Purell analogy. That's a good one. Um, I, I had said before, compressed cotton but then you waste a lot because you got to really spray a lot on to saturate it and it's actually so much better for the finger i think
3: that's what i said yeah it's unless they're
2: all. a mechanic or a printer or something where their fingers have the black fingernails and you don't want them ever touching <laughs> <laughs> then i'm like okay. good
0: point you
2: know i like though i feel like this is sometimes the challenge with me is being succinct in my ways of delivering messages to patients so if I can ask you for like your canned approach to MGD and then maybe combine dry eye just your real quick I'm sure you say it also 10 times a day how you you have good analogies I'm hoping I can get some more
0: (laughs) oh my gosh but I think I use some of it already, but I mean, I just basically explained, you know, uh, we're going to use this, um, you know, you have uh, dry eyes. I want it to help, you know, improve the surface of your cornea so we can get better readings when you come back in a couple weeks. So we're going to start doing this topical anti-inflammatory drop. It's just twice a day. It's typically covered uh, by insurance pretty nicely. You use it for uh, two, or three weeks. You'll come back and we're going to repeat all the measurements. We won't have to doubt your eyes this next time. So it'll be a quicker visit while you're here. Um, and then if I'm, and then, so it's just pretty straightforward and they go, okay, that sounds great. That makes a lot of sense. And then also, if I'm adding in the acid spray, I just say exactly what I describe. It's super simple. I just, I'm spraying on my fingertip and showing them and just demonstrating that it's super simple. It takes two seconds. I go, it's very inexpensive. You know, you can buy it on Amazon. We actually do have that in our practice for patients that want to pick it up right there, but it's available on Amazon, super, you know, or all your drug stores, So it's super fast to get. And then for the prescription drops, if we're starting one of three uh, FDA approved uh, drops like um, cyclosporine or uh, lafidograss, you know, that one I, I say we typically are using, a, you know, a pharmacy that, that ships directly to the patients because they do fight a little bit, help us fight the those insurance battles. And I do explain that it will take a little while to get the, that medication to start everything now. When you get it, just add it right in. And this drop in is the long-term strategy for helping improve the, your surface to help you see better after surgery because it. The better your uh, dry, the, our care is for your dry eye, the better your vision will be after surgery.
2: So, really, what I'm learning is we make our life too difficult. We can keep it very simple. We really only yeah. need fluorescein and, um, you know, time—a little tiny bit of time.
3: <laughs> you also we have to take into account that Bill talks at a 1.5 times speed, <laughs> and I don't talk that quite that fast. <laughs> but i am ta- but i will tell you i'm reading this book called smart brevity which is really good and it's about like don't say something in 100 words if you can say it in 50 because people only retain so much of what you say anyway so
0: we want to make it easy for the patients and easy you know we want to get you know happy patients get really nice results and the easier we can make it for patients um, the lower the barriers are the easier it's going to be for them the better their results
3: yeah absolutely it's it's all about looking at the surface before we send that patient sometimes it can be hard to get these uh, quick appointments with our cataract surgeons. They're very busy. So the quicker we can speed it up in our office so that they're already ready for surgery, the better for the patient. So great. Thanks so much, Bill, for joining us. This was really fun.
0: Oh my God. It was so much fun for me too. Thank you for including me. It's so great to see you both and talk to you both. And I always learn so much from you as well. Thank you.
2: And now for the to the point
1: wrap up. We hear over and over from our guests that with dry eye diagnosis, you just have to keep it simple. You have the tools you need with your vital dyes. Using them properly can really improve your diagnosis. Take the tip from Dr. Tratler and wait to look after you instill your fluorescein for at least three minutes some of that keratitis could be hiding in plain sight. Preparing the eye for surgery is essential for our patients. And the more we do ahead of the referral, the better the referral will be. So take charge of your surgical patients and ocular surface disease, and remember to target their treatments in a multi-step fashion, instead of adding things one by one give the surgeons that optimized surface for the best chance for the best visual outcome after cataract.